0: Start the show for Thursday, March 16th, 2017. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. and welcome to a very special travel edition of This Is Only a Test. Travel edition? I thought this was the new set. Yeah, this is our, we've opened up the backyard. If you are watching the video right now, you may notice that we are not not indoors, we're very cold, and we are in another country.
1: Uh, I'm Norm, I'm joined by our co-host Kishore Hari. How are you doing, Kishore? I'm doing great. Jeremy, you look great today. (laughs) Jeremy is like (laughs) 10
0: years younger, all the white hair is gone. Um, and we don't have Jerry this week. Jerry didn't come with us. We have Joey from LA. Hello. Hey, Joey's. Joey is up, uh, traveling with us from LA. We are all actually in Switzerland? No, No, we're we're in in France. France. We're in the border of Switzerland, France right now, on the France side in a small town named Fernie Voltaire.
1: We'll get to our review of Fernie Voltaire (laughs) soon, but... Look, we got snow-capped mountains behind us.
2: Well, not only behind us, but also in front of us, and the other end of two. Yeah, Mountains, uh, well. so
0: mountains be- all around <laughs> us, surrounded, actually, in the far distance. How far away those mountains are? Like, 100 miles? Miles? It's metric, there's, there's 100 We're kilometers, in, yeah. 60 miles, an <laughs> hour's drive away. Uh, people tell us that around here, you can go skiing. It's a 45-minute drive, and in the wintertime, you'll, you'll find ski routes in the ski resort. Uh, So we are here in Ferdinand Voltaire, right outside of Geneva, Switzerland, because for the past two days, we have been here at CERN, visiting CERN. And for Joey and I, it's a return trip to CERN because we are here in 2013.
1: Yeah, this is my virginal trip to CERN, though. How does it feel to be back? Uh,
0: It's familiar. There are some parts that are very familiar. uh, Oftentimes, at the end of these really long ambitious trips with a ton of things going on or, or, or areas that we've not really been exposed to. At the end of the trip, I always feel like, I could really wish I could do that trip again today, knowing all the things we've learned in the past couple days. And we got to do it. So you we got, got your back. PhD in particle physics and right. then came you, back. No, did, didn't need the PhD in particle physics. You need to be respected <laughs> here. Um, but it was it's it was back, our friend uh, Stephen Goldfarb, who works at the Atlas Experiment in their outreach department, uh, we've been in touch with him. And we came actually with Simone Yetch. Mm-hmm. Simone, uh, Kishore, J- uh, Joey and I, we travel, we've been here for two days, shooting video, uh, meeting some physicists. Um, meeting a lot of physicists. A lot of physicists. It's, all, it's like, you know, when we're having lunch, it's number of physicists outnumber number of non-physicists. By and, a significant degree. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about coming back? Uh, it's been how, how, day, how long?
2: It's three, four years.
0: Four uh, four years now, 2013. So keep
2: in mind, we, we came here and we did one day at CERN, yeah. mm. and then left. And like it was, you know, when you do one day trips like that in such a kind of complex place in a sort of uh-huh. environment like CERN, it's um, you know, you kind of hit the ground running, working, and then leave, and kind of it, it feels like a dream. Uh, this felt like hanging out a little longer, getting a little right. more intimate, and kind of getting to know everyone and everything.
0: It's almost like a four year ago scouting trip. Uh, four years ago, we were here because yeah. we visited with a Logitech. They're based out of Lausanne, France, um, close to the EPFL. And S- Lausanne, S- Switzerland. Switzerland. Oh, sorry, Lausanne, Switzerland. And um, only about an hour or so, hour and a half or so away. And they are the ones who flows out here to check out their testing labs. And then we just kind of dovetailed a CERN trip in there. But the purpose of this trip was to visit CERN. And... Uh, do you guys want to jump right into CERN, or do you guys want to... Well, up? wait, wait, wait.
1: I, wa- I think this is Joey's first time on the podcast. Is that oh. true? Is this your first time no. on the podcast? No, he's been on the podcast
2: a couple of times. Oh. It, it, how twice. long
1: has it been? Like, you've been in with Tested forever. So how long has it been since you've been on... On the, Sony the Sony test? test? Yeah.
2: Probably the old office with Will.
1: I, I don't know. Old, have you done one in the new, you Three, have done one in the new office?
2: Yeah, I've not done one in the new office, no. No. You've done a still entitled of new I've office? I've not done one in... So in France.
1: So why don't we do a little get-to-know-Joey, oh, then. Oh, right. right? Five questions for Joey? Oh boy. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Okay, how do you take your coffee? Black. Uh, favorite pasta? Uh, Joey, Joey makes pasta at home.
2: Uh, are we talking, like, noodle? Or are we talking like pasta sauce?
1: Uh, no, let's go with noodle. Okay, noodle, I like
2: linguine. Okay. What? L- favorite pasta dish. Bolognese. Linguini with Bolognese? Uh, no, well sometimes, but no. <laughs> bolognese sauce, linguine pasta, uh, uh, and different preparations.
1: What's your everyday carry? Uh, What's in your as pocket? As little
2: as possible, wallet oh. and a phone, and, and sometimes keys. Okay, best pizza you've ever had. Wow, oh come on. On the spot. Let's
1: do it. If he's gonna be um, part of this podcast, let's get to the important questions.
2: I, I did school in, I did some early college in Florence, Italy. And I did, uh, as a side stuff, I did a lot of cooking classes. The pizza I had there is what I've been trying to replicate in making pizza since, since then. A Neapolitan-style pizza? Very Neapolitan-style, yeah. Oh. Okay.
1: And uh, what, do we, what do you think of the Pizza ATM?
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I like the concept. That's all you can say. Uh, <laughs> we haven't had it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> pizza ATM is what we should dive into. It's the most important thing that we've seen at our trip. Absurd.
0: Wow. Yeah. So this small town of uh, Ferney Voltaire, which is named after the writer Voltaire, um, it's it's very sleepy town. has one main street, has uh, maybe a dozen restaurants, and most of which are were closed when we were here Mm -hmm. for the past three nights.
2: The town seems to shut down at seven p.m. It doesn't open up until about eight a.m. Yeah, which is (laughs)
0: saying something. And uh, and then we did find a decent piece of pizzeria. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. But out downstairs, around the corner from the pizzeria, it looks like an ATM machine. It makes and s- serves a box of pizza. It's like just a-
2: downstairs. It looks like they could theoretically just put pizzas into a garbage chute, and it would go right. straight to the ATM. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, But this is a 24-hour ATM, as I understand it.
1: It, and you there was a slot for a card you had there was a punch pad for like putting in your pin for a personal pizza and then slots for four different kinds well, of pizza. Well, so yeah, they
2: had four slots, four different kinds of pizzas. So that's well, all wait. you can get. You can't mix and match. Four, they had a different slot
0: for each pizza, pizza as Type. opposed to one slot like the box would come out. Yeah,
2: it. it didn't make much
1: sense to me either. But there's four types of pizzas. There's a margarita pizza. Okay.
2: There's a cal Calabrese.
1: Which. Seemed pretty fancy for a pizza ATM yeah, to have yeah. a calabrese. I would
2: trust a meat pizza from a pizza ATM. <laughs> <You> imagine it's <laughs> it frozen, you right?
1: You, you think it's frozen, and then you the microwave, frozen, and you yeah. heat it up,
0: and then it, it's not fresh.
2: Well, four mm-hmm. minutes. So they cook it in four minutes. You four think you could do microwave. a frozen pizza in... If, yeah, if, you, you, had to, if you
0: had to cook a pizza in four minutes, whether it was mm-hmm. frozen, how would what would be the best optimal way to cook a pizza in four minutes? Like,
2: I'm proud is, to say I've never cooked a frozen pizza.
1: <laughs> okay. How can that be
2: true? Um, you're an adult male from the United States. There's
1: not that's not possible. Maybe there are things that Joey doesn't
0: consider pizza that he's cooked frozen there in four go. minutes.
2: I have, I have cooked frozen food before. But I not the frozen
0: food quotes. With with sometimes with maybe cheese and, and tomato sauce and bread, like a red baron. I'm not this much of a food or stuff. The, the Zordo, <laughs> Just or, or a hot pocket pizza uh,
2: Yeah, hot pockets are alright. I feel
1: sick already. Are you oh, listing God, I'm, off I'm all hungry. of those. I'm getting very hungry. Uh, so we didn't try the pizza ATM. It did not seem functional. Out of commission. I think
0: it's worth before we head out this morning, because uh, we're flying back today to, to stop by. It's one like
1: seven
2: thirty in the morning if, here.
0: If it's twenty four hours. Okay. I want to. I want to try one more time. I would
2: totally eat it. I would try. Try. It. I would. Yeah. I want. I want a slice. And then I'd go home and I'd make a pizza. Right. Yeah. This is. And then to forget,
0: you make a
1: pizza to
2: forget. To
0: forget. Um, so we're not staying in Geneva. We were in Geneva last night. Walked on just a very little bit. Uh, but that's definitely the the big town around mm-hmm. these parts, um, but to get here, it was quite a trip to get here. We flew separately because uh, Joey flew from L.A. L.A. and uh, Kishore and I flew from San Francisco. And your flight, how was your flight?
2: Oh, it was fine. LAX to London, four hour layover in London, London here, and everything was, seemed to work fine. And you flew uh, Air. I had the I had the um, every seat I got. I didn't have anybody next to me. It was nice. Oh, so I, oh wow. But I did all aisles. So I was in an aisle. We, in the way. And you
1: flew Air New Zealand, who has randomly a LA to you know. London connection, which seems to have no connection to New Zealand whatsoever. No, but, but that's I'll, interesting.
2: Everything in the plane was all, hey, New Zealand, welcome to New Zealand. Try, try our wine. Like a, <laughs> oh, I
1: hear the informational video, yeah, the safety video. Was, was, it felt like I was traveling to New Zealand, except I got out in London. That sounds more wow than what we got. <laughs>
0: I think Air New Zealand is what I flew back on the way from our Weta trip. Yeah. And their their safety video definitely is a montage of people from New Zealand and,
2: and like scenic things you do in New Zealand. So I think, I think it was my... It was either Air New Zealand or someone in Australia or New Zealand. Did you did you see the safety video with the Men in Black parody? No, well, I think that's a I newer Air New out. Zealand. It's very, it's like it's like they saw Virgin America's like big number. and They're like, okay, we'll take a song that everyone knows, the Men in Black song, and kind of turn it into a safety video with. Two oh guys yeah, the, the whole song. Like, uh, the whole Men song in is Black Men in Black safety
0: defenders Air New Zealand safety video. It's on YouTube right now, you can dig it up. Oh, it'll be in the show notes, don't worry. It's a five minute video. I'm
2: pretty sure you can find a playlist on YouTube of all the safety airline videos. Why would you? Why would we do that to people? <laughs> Virgin America was pretty
1: great. We had a slightly different experience getting here.
0: Yeah, so originally we had We tried to fly Turkish airline, and uh, that was a whole a psychological journey itself, because it was very cheap. It was like six hundred dollars round trip from San that, Francisco to Geneva. I remember seeing unbelievable.
1: I remember seeing an ad on the Super Bowl. We and were watching right. the
0: Super Bowl together. And
1: I'm like, Morgan Freeman's on Turkish Airlines. If this they is could be afford, all right,
0: if they can afford Morgan Freeman, this must be an okay flight. And then Turkish Airlines canceled our flight back and offered us to stay in Istanbul for three days on the way back. Like, we can't do that.
2: Was it the were they offering hotel? No.
0: no. Oh no. No, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> so this must. Be, we were thinking it must be the 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 tourist bureau. Let's cancel every every third flight coming out of Turkish uh, Istanbul to get people stuck in that city and increase local economy, maybe. Uh, Not does not make for happy travelers. We cancel that flight and we found by way of Wow Air.
1: Iceland's cheap airlines, like no frills. What their the spirit,
0: their
2: Ryan.
1: Yes. The totally.
2: big thing
0: with Wild Air, as it was advertised a couple months ago, was that they were going to offer flights to Iceland one way for under $100. Like $80, $90, you could get a flight from San Francisco or LA to Iceland for 90 bucks, which is insane. And you guys,
2: you guys flew Iceland straight to Paris. Uh, straight to Paris. Yeah. So, okay, so does Iceland have like a big, are they a big hub? Can you get well to a lot of places in Europe? There,
1: there was at least six gates in that airport. People okay. definitely <laughs> on our
2: flight
0: from San Francisco to Iceland were going to Amsterdam, we're going to London, we're going to Paris. So, there
2: definitely it is
0: a hub. So, to, if you to can
2: muscle on. through a good 10 hours of bad flying.
0: Yeah. So, the, the context of bad flying is that it really is no frills. Uh, for what we paid for the flight, which was not $100, a little more than that, uh, you get you can only bring on a backpack. Carry on, not overhead carry on, so under the seat carry on was the only thing they allowed. Literally, no water, no coffee, no breakfast, no lunch, no dinner. Um, you, everything is extra. You'd have to pay for We paid for an extra overhead carry. If you wanted to check in a bag, that's another.
2: What are it? Probably $25, 30 About that, okay. about that
0: much. Um, and they try to upsell you immediately on the website. And then the meals in the water, that's all in a brochure on the plane. So they have a cart that comes down like a couple times during the flight, and they will try to sell you bottled water, and coffee, and ten-dollar beers, cans of beer, and I'm still curious about that Gull
1: Iceland beer. We, I think I'm gonna try it. I didn't consume
0: a single thing on that flight. It was the most. (laughs) I'm like I'm gonna
1: I'm I'm gonna try to not drink water,
0: shut my body body down, shut my body down, and not eat anything that they try to sell me,
1: and we made it. If you wonder what, what it's like flying with Norm, it's basically he uh, wakes up at some point, gets Zelda out, and then uh, the plane lands eight hours later. That's right. That <laughs> literally is it. And then I'm constantly snacking on some yogurt and raisin trail mix.
0: <laughs> that you trail mix that I brought from the SFO era. Was,
1: <laughs> I think we only said a handful of words because he played Zelda the entire time. <laughs> it was, it was actually kind of amazing. Went by like that.
0: Like Kishore was watching movies... <laughs> Listen, I acted music, like a normal books. person and on <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, See ya. I'm going to Hyrule. See ya. See, see ya in eight hours. Um, and then from there, I went to Paris, which uh, we were we amazing race the whole thing. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. Um, our immigration so we're leaving the United States, and right now in the U.S., we're very worried about what the uh, ch- immigration looks like getting back in the country, Ooh. but leaving the country. We went through immigration in Iceland, and the line was long, and we were through the line in under five minutes.
2: Like, you're uh, par- a uh, Iceland, to par- or just landing to Paris? Uh, in Iceland. In Iceland. In
0: Iceland, okay. in Iceland uh, our our hour and a half layover, they had like a little ca- cafe, like a mart open, like a grocery mart, where we got to buy sandwiches and juices, and then went through immigration. Literally, the the uh, passport agent looked at us, stern
1: look, took the passport, stamped, and walked through. It was it was very nice. It, it was like a half step short of like getting massages as you were going <laughs> through immigration line.
0: Welcome. Plenty and of then, time to go to the duty free store to look at all la- their Icelandic beer mm. and,
1: and the trinkets. We landed in Paris. We're out the door in like five minutes, literally. Ga- yeah. Gate to curb, like, and then we're we should just run. Off? To the, we should run to
0: the the the, uh, the immigration line, and no, we're literally just shoved this out the door. We ran across the street, got a bus to our train station, and then went on a three-and-a-half-hour train ride to Geneva. High-speed train. High-speed train. It's first time on high-speed train.
1: For i, I got to say I uh, love traveling by train. The high-speed train super smooth, and then it had this wonderful bar cart that had views out of the pastoral mm-hmm. settings as you're going through like uh, France on the way to Switzerland. It is just gorgeous. I love traveling by train.
0: It was very much a Star Trek uh, fl- flying-by-spaceship Experience the doors oh, You press the button on the doors, <laughs> and the doors go, <laughs> and you walk in. and Suddenly, you're in this narrow, futuristic room with curved windows, and there's a bar, and you can sit there and drink your drink your beer.
1: It didn't actually make that noise. It only makes that noise in Norm's head.
2: Did I tell you guys about my train ride to Italy or to Sicily, from no. Italy? So Italy and Sicily are not connected by land, <laughs> but the uh, the train that goes down there, uh, I didn't realize this. I just booked a, a train ticket. Well, it came down from Florence hit the end of, end of Italy, Cal- uh, Calabria. And then it was just, all of a sudden it was just darkness. And the guy came in, he's like, hey, upstairs. And I opened the train door and I'm in a big, like, hole. And I walk upstairs and I'm on the sea. So the train gets onto a boat or a Wait, ship. the whole train? So yeah, the whole entire train. During my sleep, uh, I fell asleep in, you know, I was, like, passing Rome. I fell asleep, woke up, and it was just dark. And I was like, we must be there. And they're like, no, no, no. And they, I didn't speak enough Italian at the time to, like, know what's going on. But they basically ushered me upstairs and realized that I was like in the sea, or on the sea. The train gets on, a bunch of trains get onto the ship, and the ship sails off into the Sicily the, do docks. The, and then the train gets back off, and you go.
0: Do the individual cars fold and line up, or no, how, how uh, long I, are I, the cars? I, I wasn't
2: sure. I walked out, and you kind of—it's it's like you're in a train station underground, and um, you know there's just a couple, there's a few different lines of trains, and um, I wasn't sure they—they you know, they disconnected it. Like I, I slept through the whole thing. I really wish I woke up. and just stayed It's it.
0: called. Rail to sail.
2: Rail to sail. That's great. rail
0: to sail, and it literally looks like a tiny train station inside yeah. the deck. Or uh, inside the the one of the. This decks is incredible. Of the ship.
2: Yeah, it was it was a very like, and I came into it so cold, so I was like, "Wait, what, what is happening
0: here?" Wow, it, it, the whole train. They they do disconnect the cars as they're loading in, and then these tracks split off so they can roll lines of cars. That seems wildly inefficient, also.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because Sicily's not that big of an island. Why do they need the train
0: there? Why like don't
1: if people just get on the boat?
2: <laughs> train car yeah.
0: management must be something. Well,
2: half of those people were going to, like, yeah, I mean, if you're going to the other side of uh, of, of Sicily, it'd be... It'd be How big is Sicily? It's pretty... I mean, you could, I think, uh, what, four? I don't know. Four-hour drive across?
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, that seems bigger than I think it is.
2: I might be wrong. I haven't. I think we've
1: proven this. that we don't very little about geography. Mm-hmm. on This podcast <laughs> so far.
2: Yep,
0: <laughs> traveling is. We're going to do more travel. Uh, someone's going to do a lot of travel is actually one of our old friends from Whiskey Media, Drew Scanlan, uh, who we worked with uh, when we were teamed up with Giant Bomb. And Drew just left the website GiantBomb.com after like eight years. After yeah, after eight years of working there. And has launched a Patreon, so this is worth talking about because his Patreon is a really interesting idea, and it's become wildly successful in a matter of two or three days. Uh, he, it's called Cloth Map, and uh, what do you know about this, Joey?
2: Well, so if you haven't seen some of his uh, his travel videos, he did a few different travel logs with Giant Bomb. Going to, uh, I think Iceland was one of his big ones. He went to North Korea, did a whole uh, segment on Giant Bomb with that. But got, he's really into travel and kind of adventuring through through travel and, and experience. And you know, he's also a fellow video guy, uh, so he's kind of combining the two and continuing this, um, you know, this worldwide journey while uh, taking his video gear and cameras and documenting game culture from uh, all around the world and putting together a series of videos um, and launched a Patreon to help fund that.
0: Yeah, it's a travel documentary series. Uh, he says it's a video series that explores how games impact the lives of people around the world. So whether it's what esports means in South Korea to what, what it means to go to Iceland and go to a big uh, convention for EVE. He's done those things already. This is gonna be like expanding on...
2: His Patreon blown. is very concise so you can get a, a good, great feel for what it's he's doing.
0: It's blown up too. Oh
2: yeah, He's making
0: $18,000 a month with 2,700 patrons. People want to see this. It's gonna be on YouTube. And we're on like day
2: three, day yeah. two of his so, Patreon.
0: I
1: want to see him play board games on this weird Sicily train. Right, right,
0: <laughs> exactly. Take take the train ride, oh my, yeah, lots of interesting ideas. I think, uh, yeah, good luck to him, can't wait to see what it looks like, and if you want to support and learn information, I think it's just patreon.com slash cloth map. Um, it's, it's not easy, we, when we traveled with, to uh, so the Arctic, we met a lot of YouTubers and vloggers and videographers who have a very concise, packed camera setup. Um, like Ben Brown, for example, they introduced us to new ways of shooting with Cameras like the the Sony A7 II, while they would carry DSLRs, but also small video cameras, uh, they weren't carrying big, big rigs, right? Like yeah, what, what did you think of their setup setups? And
2: um, it was interesting because I mean I, I, I've talked about it before, but I, I kind of the DSLR revolution kind of passed over me. I never I never got into like the smaller camera stuff. So seeing how they rigged out these tiny cameras with like Gorillapods or, uh, with the Joby Joby mm-hmm. stuff, yep. and how they use those to, um, you know, complement their. The fast movement and and getting through lots of different areas, and then also getting some great actuality stuff of just of just the world around them was um, was well, was cool. It was it was a very interesting way of seeing how a smaller uh, a different production like that can work. And yeah, so they much. were
0: never they never stopped filming almost. Like it was yeah, but also like they have they have
2: this one main camera, and like you get a sense for how how much they edit their own stuff. Mm-hmm. They're editing constantly, kind of on the fly, and you know when you when you're going through a day and. Picking your shots, you kind of know, okay, I'm going to talk about this thing. I'm going to shoot these things. And then that stuff is all sequential to make editing a lot smoother. So you can uh, get a format like that down and then, you know, be inefficient, but also shooting a lot of, of the world around.
0: Yeah. those was very, very cool. And that stuff is, like, there are lots of gear we see. You, uh, was NAB just, NAB's coming up.
2: NAB's coming up in April something, yeah. Oh, gonna go I'll to be heading NAB. out there to go check out some, some cool stuff. Um, just kind of mess around and meet some people
1: we're gonna to get to this and what what we've been testing but you've been testing a lot more gear like yeah. camera gear for us so
2: uh, i've i've kind of recently moved down to los angeles working remotely and uh you know I'm, I'm down there by myself without a studio so i've been kind of thinking about you know making my own little studio and, and messing out with some i have a huge garage now so it's i want to you know try out some lights try out some different gear and different uh shooting environments so i've been working with bnh a bit and getting some more gear and and also with Black Magic a bunch, and getting some other stuff to try out. And All right, we're
1: going to talk about that soon. But first, let's talk about some pop culture. Ooh. This is the most low rent thing.
0: Culture news. Uh, what's been going on in pop culture? We've been away from the states for so long. Uh, south by Southwest is happening right now. There's a lot of news coming on South by. Now, we're going to preface this conversation by saying we're only going to talk about movies that we either have seen, uh, we're not going to talk about trailers because Joey does not watch trailers. Oh, that's right. Uh, but we can talk about the ideas and things that are popping up and what's happening in uh, the movie and TV space. Uh, so at South by Southwest, uh, there were panels to show new footage for Alien Covenant. Uh, Ridley Scott and the actors were there. Uh, but people have been really buzzing about one new movie. I, I think did uh, was it the Train Spotting Two movie also shown there as well. Uh, there's maybe. a Train
1: Spotting Two like they find a dirtier toilet. I, I, I think
2: Danny Boyle
0: made a, made yeah, a Train Spotting Two. It
2: takes place how many years later? They all kind of come back. I yeah. It's it, out. I mean, reviews are out. Oh, okay. So I guess that, that's that one. South by they all come back together after a few years, or it's they like, it's all like before Sunrise. No, no, they're not. They're definitely not cleaned up. I read the premise for this movie, and it's it's definitely uh, it is a sequel to Train Oh wow, so it's with the same people, it's same not, people. It's just not just not thematically.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Where where are these chunkies? It's already released there? in the UK.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like it's getting reviews and stuff on. Wow. Uh But the buzz of South by seems
0: to be a new movie by Edgar Wright called Baby Driver, which was screened there. And I don't know much about this film. People have uh, seen tra- trailers for this, uh, but it's been a long
2: time since Edgar Wright made a, a, a big film. So is this released released in South Bay Or they do so? They I, I've seen movies there that have been released like a year later. So they do like a, an early screening, kind of it's get an early notes. screening. Okay, so we're not, not going to see this movie nationally until August like. is when it comes out. Yeah, okay. it's not. I don't think
0: it's the cer- type of circuit where they were looking for distributors mm-hmm. like a like a Sundance, but it was definitely a uh, early early look. Yeah. It's been a while since we've been to South by. They did a lot of those things. You know, a lot of you watch a movie, a premiere there, yeah. and then they'll have distribution later that summer, and they get the buzz up and going. Yeah, I've seen
2: movies released two years after I've seen them at South by, which is a trip. Or sometimes they don't even get distribution, yeah. wide distribution at all. And Alamo has like a big presence now, kind of buying up movies and releasing them under their their, their mm-hmm. label.
1: This has an impressive cast. Baby uh, yeah. Do you want to know anything about
0: the
2: cast either? Yeah, I think I read the cast, but I forgot it already. So. I,
0: it's a, The lead is the the kid from uh, *Fault in Our Stars*. Ansel, Erglard? Elgort. Elgort. Wow. Well, how did some? you I know, don't know that? that. Uh, because uh, Danica used to work for the writer of *Fault in Our Stars*, <laughs> so had, to, had to watch that movie. <laughs> um, but uh, it's him. It's the uh, it's Lily James who played Cinderella in the Disney Cinderella reboot, and then it has a bunch of uh, mobsters.
1: Yeah, John Hamm, Kevin Spacey, uh, and Jamie Fox. And, so
2: we have none of the uh, 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 Shaun of the Dead cast in here, right? We're not yeah, seeing. Yeah, this, seeing is, not, any this of the,
0: is not a uh, Simon Pegg. Yeah, um, and uh, Nick. Uh, uh, what's the name? Names. Uh, who was in the? He was in like the.
1: You know, the Ansel lot. Elgort, but not. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry for all the
0: space fans out there, <laughs> and yeah. also the. Uh, he, he was in the. He, he was, was w- in a
2: Tango movie, right? Did you see the tango romantic comedy? Never
1: There's mind. people yelling at us right now. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Who this guy? He, is. The last
0: thing I saw him in, and I, I don't know why I can't remember his name, Simon Page. Nick, Frost. Nick, Nick Frost. Frost. Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Nick Frost was a dwarf in the uh, the Snow White sequel. The,
2: the Hunt. The Huntsman. the
0: Huntsman. He was in the Huntsman as a dwarf. Oh. Yeah, he has lost a little bit of credibility in my eyes. <laughs> um, but this is Edgar Wright, and it looks. Uh, it, it sounds like it's incredibly stylish. People are raving about it on Twitter. So it's. Uh, it's Scott, more Scott Pilgrim like, I think, than uh-huh. um, than the, the Coronado trilogy. Uh, World's uh, End was the last movie. He's one of my
2: favorites. I'm I'm really excited for this movie.
0: Yeah, Did you guys see that? Like, the people are sharing on Facebook now. The At World's End, you guys saw At World's End, right? Where Yeah. It's not a big spoiler, they say They fight a bunch of robots. They're androids. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and the androids, like, <laughs> you they, might remember right yeah, <laughs> they, they fight androids. Like, it's not zombies. You know, it's, it's robots, but they like fight these robots. Like, it's like Italians, alien robots. Like right? Alien robots. Yeah. And, but like the, the the design of the robots is really cool because when the heads get punched off, they're almost like toys, like little pegs that get s- snapped in. Like mm-hmm. so, it's like. But those heads, one of the heads was actually an animatronic. head. there's a video going around on YouTube showing how, with nine servos, that head was animated with that the fleshy. How is that skin going around top. now? It's yeah. been years. It, I, Whatever I don't know how Facebook works. <laughs> things things get shared around on Facebook and get a, a millions of views. Um, you guys want to talk about Logan? I want to talk a little bit more lo- about Logan because now I'm with people who have seen it. I saw it.
1: I still haven't seen it, but it's okay. You seen it twice. You, you saw, it twice? I saw it twice. Holy that smokes!
2: That good? That you saw it twice? I saw it once by myself. Yeah, I, like, the day it came out, and then I, I took Andrew to see it. Wow. What did you
0: think about Logan as a film?
2: As a film, I I loved pretty much most of it. And I loved it more the second time I saw it.
0: Wow! Um, Yeah. Why? Why more the second time? Was it because going in there's too high expectations that they like just get through it the once? No, it was get um, out of your system.
2: It was. It was a. It's. You know, it's kind of a heavy movie. There's a lot going on, and there's a lot to uncover. Um, in some ways, like, you know, you're we're, we're taking place much later than any of the X Men movies that we've seen, and we are we are kind of forced to. And the director does a great job at not kind of. You know, feeding us this information, he kind of trickles out this information about what happened, where these characters are at, what's going on in the world, and as you, as as a viewer, you are kind of asked to participate in figuring this out. And um, the second time after I knew everything, I could just watch all the nuances of this movie play out.
1: The way you're describing it is like the least X-Men description ever, like least superhero, the least like
2: family X-Men. Yeah, like I mean, this old man Logan, like these these comics that are kind of. and this movie actually reminded me a lot of the mid 2000 kind of Wolverine uh like spin-off yarns like he at that point he had a lot of you know the Wolverine single comics he was away from the X-Men doing these kind of edgier like adult themed stuff of you know, you know helping figure out the child slave situation Frank like, Miller Wolverine Yeah, and... but a lot of people are coming in uh, at that point like they had you know different teams coming in for like four or five arc runs and yeah. then the, you know they brought in Sabretooth and kind of brought like, a relationship to, uh, to Victor and Logan that um, was really quite interesting and, and less of the, just the, you know, the, the opposite, the, the Venom, Spider-Man, Sabertooth, Wolverine stuff. So this reminded me a lot of all those yarns and then also, you know, the themes from Old Man Logan carried over. And you know, uh, kind of, I don't know if we want
0: to go into spoiler territory too much. The movies are now for like three weeks. It's okay. Like if you don't want, uh, if want to hear about Logan, then you, you turn off the podcast I, for the next 45 seconds. I can seconds. make, can I
1: guess what happens? No, 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 no. Uh, that's okay. I don't want to talk about the end, <laughs> but I, I do
0: want to talk about the one this one plot device that they put into the film, that I was a little bit uneasy with, that I wasn't sure needed to be in the film. Is it early but, on in the movie or is it the second the half? Self, the most self-referential thing. Oh, that, yeah, That's yeah. in the film. What is? It? I think it's it's not too big of a spoiler. It's what, in the trailer. Tra- I watched it's, the trailer after the movie. It's in the trailer, so you know, uh, it's that the fact that in this timeline. In this version, which is supposed to be the culmination, like it's a, a timeline, a culmination of the Brian Singer Wolverine and that X Men. Uh, the X Men at some point have become a part of popular culture, and there are X Men comic books in <laughs> the world of the movie
2: as we know them. The X Men comic books that we yeah, like, like, they like they actually are the same. drawn
0: the same style. Yeah. And the original yeah. comics, they're yeah. not like they're pulling they're not pulling Chris Claremonts out of the, the rack and putting them in the film as props. Like it's a, actually key to the storyline where the. The young girl Laura reads X Men comics and sees Logan um, through the eyes of the comic
1: book. Oh, that's great! Um, did they sell the comic book?
2: I, I was wondering if they actually if they actually created because they they did have the same style. Like, did you do you think they made an entire comic, twenty two pages with ads? <laughs> like, they definitely
0: flipped through a couple
2: pages. Yeah, but they had like the Cyclops. But there was like, one the, page in specific that they kept going back to. But yeah, yeah,
0: where like the X Men were leading through like this this remote area and going this uh, this land of Eden. But they were, had the comics, like they were drawn like the X-Men comics. Now you never saw the characters wear those costumes. And the way they, referen- uh, they uh, refer to it is Logan um, picks up a comic and goes, these are all stories, or half of them, uh, half of them or maybe a quarter of it actually happened and not the actual way how it happened. So they're acknowledging that they were inspired by what they did in the cinematic world. But they never wore those costumes. It wasn't like the leather Brian Singer X Men costumes. It was no. clearly a callback to how we remember the X Men comics. So, very,
1: very metaphysical in that sense. Like, so, I'm just reading about this. The Virgin article about these comics. Uh, and initially, they only made four covers, or wait, 10 covers, sorry. Uh, but then he released additional artwork on Twitter ah. from the inside. Mm. Um, so, it was 10 fake covers. Um, and Joe Quesada actually penciled four additional pages for the inside that's on Twitter. <laughs> we can put a link to them. Uh, and they like, it's like Kitty Pride walking yeah, through exactly. walls and like.
0: Right, but they're drawn like the yeah. X Men of the 80s, which is never how the X Men were in the cinematic world, the Fox cinematic worlds ever represented I that. I think
2: way. We cl- the closest we got was at the end of the Wolverine, he opens up the case. And that he's- was a deleted
0: scene. Oh, it was? That was a deleted scene where he opens up the case and it's the blue and gold yeah. Wolverine mask. But have never you, seen him
2: wear it, and you never. And you, but
0: you imagine that, in, in, if they have any type of continuity in this world, that where he goes from there at the end of the Wolverine is where he goes on his adventures. Like, actually, Wolver, the Wolverine where he's in Japan is like the end of the Wolverine origin story for the X Men universe because he has like.
2: Well, we, we, we're seeing that movie post X Three. Right by that point, he's not really like. It's just like the Dark
0: Knight. There's at that point, there's not really an X Men. They're not really exposed to the world. Yeah. They're still kind of just doing their own things. Uh, but he goes on the, the adventures, and those are the adventures we assume, because in um, Days of Future Past, they have like futuristic uniforms, and he's wearing a, a uniform that has the blue and gold. Charles Xavier on has it. his floating. And, and right, so like, at, like you're talking about in between the end of the Wolverine and that possible future of Days of Future
1: Past, are where those adventures. Possibly happened
0: in that in that timeline.
1: Yeah. Here's one other note from the article: is that the reason they weren't real books is Marvel denied them permission uh, to use real books, oh, wow. so they wanted to. Yeah, it sounds like it. That uh, Dan Panosian, I think that's the name of the director, uh, wanted to uh, do real issues, but Marvel said no. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it took me out of the film a little bit. I
2: was going to ask, like, what's your opinion on this. Do you, do you feel like slighted at all about it? Like, do you feel like they? Kind of disrespecting the comic. I don't
0: think it disrespected the comic, but I think it took out. If their whole point was, we are like, you can watch the great. I think the great thing about Logan is you could watch it as a film without being a fan of X-Men comics. You can be a fan of the character Wolverine and Hugh Jackman, um, but it works well as a like a mutant version of The Road or a mutant version. Um, I think
2: for some of the early, some of the, like the first half, wait to hit. You do need to know the X-Men kind of exists but you don't it.
0: need to know like the, the story of x3 and no like, you yeah. like the gene gray relationship none of that like, comes you into you can it. come
2: to this movie just after being an x-men comic fan from back, yeah
0: back when uh but having the comics in there were was was the fox way of not not throwing a ton of mutants in this film like they definitely don't throw a ton of mutants uh, traditional mutants in this film there are some mutants but it's it was definitely their self-referential way and i think it's okay because you can say like oh wait okay like in the ultimate X Men comic, X Men are celebrities. They become like in the public, mm-hmm. and at, in some sense, the uh, at the end of X Men Two, they expose themselves to the the press of the United States. Like we're here to stick around, and people cut kind it. Of, that's why the Mutant Registration Act. So the world knows about mutants. So it makes sense that like there's awareness, but to manifest that in the very medium and the very art style that we understand, the X Men universe. But
2: also to create them as heroes in a world where like this is supposed to be a world where mutants are almost right. hated. Like. Yeah. How how do you get to how, this how, point where the right people like are childhood that. heroes? Yeah. You never saw a
0: generation grow up where they were heroes and then suddenly decline to the Would war. you want to see that movie?
1: Where they where the mutants go and decline? I where the mutants were heroes? Yeah. At all? Like, they, like they, an
2: ultimate version of mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, um, I don't think it would exist in like this Fox universe of Marvel of And X-Men. I think they
0: really did it for that emotional for that one they did it for the line where like Logan says these, were, these are just stories it, it was a, a tool for his relationship with, with the girl because her perception of him is only through these eyes and so at the end uh, where there's like an X logo that pops up in frame um, it makes a little more sense because yeah. that's still how she sees him and there is like that very last shot of like, where the kid is holding the Wolverine toy and, <laughs> oh, and I'm like that's right. literally like, a Wolverine toy that you could have bought in the 90s, like the blue and gold Wolverine toy, and he's holding it, and the camera just close up on his face, and, <laughs> and on the Wolverine toy, I'm like, that's a little on the nose. That's
2: a little too much. <laughs> that's a little too much. Like, we were with you at the comics, but now...
1: Yeah. Now I think I misspoke earlier. It was director James Mangold asked Marvel's permission. They mm-hmm. said no on real comics, but gave them access to Joe Quesada and the artist Dan Panosian to create
2: these custom and He's books. been pretty vocal about the Marvel movies not being... Great. <laughs> oh. Like, he's, he has some problems with the way the Marvel Universe is kind of portraying When you say people. who, James Mangold? Yeah. Like, he, he approached Logan as, like, let's not make, we're not trying to make anything Marvel-like. Like, Got you know.
0: it. Uh, one last bit of pop culture news, and this is just breaking as we're recording this. Hey, everyone. Warner Brothers is seriously going to consider rebooting The Matrix.
2: Oh, I you, heard about this. You
1: mean just like flicking on and off the switch?
2: That's for what those, I was think, like,
0: right? Right. Start Matrix. Matrix Online. That Matrix would be Online, hilarious
1: everyone. if they just released a video of somebody like walking into a server room and flipping <laughs> the switch, Why switch on. Why
0: the switch off? <laughs> <laughs> we rebooted um, the Matrix. What do you think about that? And two, how do you think would if they're gonna do it? If they say, okay, this is a franchise that's beloved. It's at some point, it's gonna be. It's twenty years old. Twenty years old. How? What would be the most elegant way they could reboot the Matrix? Not reboot the Matrix. Well, yeah, <laughs> the, that, the answer. Is, agree, but if they were going to do it, what is? What would be the? And this is uh, according to the Hollywood Reporter with Michael B. Johnson potentially the star.
2: I mean, I can uh, see them doing like it's, I could have seen like a Netflix show handling in the same way with the Animatrix of like taking all these different mean, stories and, and putting it like a. They can't a make a list. lot of money that way. Yeah. No, I correct. Yeah movie wise and, and, and Zach
0: Penn is in talks Zach oh Penn, no. I know who, who, uh, who wrote X-Men 3 and uh, worked on Avengers and uh, so how could they elegantly do it would, they, uh, would it be maybe in the Star Trek 2009 reboot vein where because the story of the Matrix is a story of a cyclical battle of the robots they just they tell a, a another new cycle yeah. and, and not be a, a kind of Meta reboot where it's just like telling the same story with different actors, but make it part of a continuity. Then you get the option of you know uh, uh, of bringing some characters back or or alluding to certain things.
2: Uh, I don't. I have no idea how you would. I mean, I don't think they're going to start off in our world. I think they're going to start off in the the real, Matrix. The real world. Oh, oh yeah, I, I don't think they're going to try to go for the um, whoa reveal it you know well, of, you, right, and so much of the
0: Matrix happened because back in ninety eight. When, I don't know about you guys, but when I saw The Matrix, I didn't know that's what that movie was about. The trailers, yeah, I didn't either. The trailers were all about martial arts, like crazy de- de- defying martial arts. The advertising campaign was what is, Kung Fu. what is The Matrix, was the advertising campaign. And I don't think you comprehended the idea that humans were slaves, enslaved by
1: robots in a fictional, digitized world, until you watched it. Which was one of the, the best parts of that. I watched it thinking it was going to be like an office space up until when he, like, <laughs> a, like removes his mouth. And I was
2: like, what is happening? let Lynch is- <laughs> just getting here? I think they're going to do... Uh, they're going to start start us off... This is all just speculation on my end. They're going to start you off in this real world, right? Mm. And then we're going to be exposed to a... The Matrix that is alien-like and unworldly. And that will be... That will be the craziness.
0: So Wachowski siblings are not involved in this.
2: Right, like a whole mm. new Matrix. Like a utopian Matrix? Like a... Like a... The Matrix that will... You know, surprise us. It won't be this world. Mm. Uh? No? Um, (laughs) No? No,
1: I'm just, uh, like, I'm still struggling with this idea of a reboot. Like, it it feels too soon to me.
0: Yeah. So my my fear is that because so many people love The Matrix for its pseudo-philosophy and for its uh, groundbreaking social effects, that the films are going to hold those two things as things that they need to reinvigorate. Like, well, it's the matrix. We gotta do something crazy with us. We experiment with a new type of filmmaking to really to because this is what the matrix stands for, or we gotta have some groundbreaking new new ideas um, in in the context of that world, as opposed to just telling a straightforward story. I, it, yeah, I don't need I don't need the studios to to What's think the about, new bullet yeah, time? Yeah, exactly. What is the new bullet time <laughs> for tw- 2019, yeah. 2018?
1: I feel like they're gonna try to like leak in the Whoa. And like you know, they're going to try to do nods to the original, which would make it terrible. I think the current Matrix is not allowing me to consider this idea of rebooting the Matrix. That's the problem. Once you
0: have the stake, you, you, yeah. you can't plug back in.
1: No, never. I, I, clearly, you guys are outside the Matrix, and you can even consider this.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I would like to, I, if they're going to do it, telling it within the context of the Matrix being re- rebooted re- multiple times, yeah. and maybe going into
2: the past. Like past matrices, past matrices, yeah. The <laughs> work not as the architect. good. Yeah. Or like things, like things were slightly glitchy and kind yeah. of off. And like, right.
0: yeah. I mean, to be fair, like Westworld was a straight-up reboot, uh, in the sense that it wasn't a, there was no continuity with the nineteen seventy-three mm-hmm. Westworld. And people had speculated, what if the HBO show, as it was airing, what if HBO's Westworld was a continuation, like the accent they talked about thirty years ago, was the thirty or fifty years ago was, was was the movie that we saw. Um, but it, it didn't need to be that. It was it held on its own, so it, it all depends on who runs it, how they how they write the script, and who directs so it. So aside
2: from Zach Penn, we have no other names attached. to Michael this B. One.
0: Jordan. Oh, it was the one, and, and Joel Silver, the producer of uh, of the original Mission What's
1: weird, it it, like to have an actor attached, right before right. Anything else seems... uh...
2: Well, I mean, it's how they sell a lot of movies, right? And a a lot of the original Matrix
0: also, it was a culmination of so many things. Like, the first time um, Western audiences had been really exposed to that type of martial arts with that choreography, they brought in um, the choreographer from a lot of uh, Master Ping from a lot of classic martial arts movies. And so, like, there were, like, filmmaking things that they did. And it was right at the edge of, like, digital filmmaking. And, and, uh, like, that's how bullet time worked. Like... To do it today, they could. They're. they're if it feels like they're just gonna throw money at making some special effect. It. It doesn't bring anything new, to it. We'll all watch Cloud Atlas again. <laughs> <laughs> no. Jupiter's, I didn't see Jupiter's it the Earth's first I didn't see it the first time. All right. Um. I think that's it for pop culture news. We're gonna jump into t- our next segment, which is. Uh, actually, before we talk about tech news and CERN, I do want to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast, and that sponsor uh, is Krizal No-Glare Lenses. When your lenses aren't clear, whether it's from smudges, scratches, or even because of reflections, it can be so frustrating. After all, glasses are supposed to help you see better. Thankfully, CRIZOL No-Glare Lenses offer resistance to distracting blemishes, giving you the clearest vision possible. That means no more fingerprint smudges from taking your glasses on and off, or scratches from cleaning your lenses on your shirt. And because Crizal no glare lenses stay clear and reduce distracting glare, your friends and family can see your eyes better—not just your glasses. Look better, feel better, and more importantly, stay immersed in the world around you—not just your lenses. Go to Crizal.com, C-R-I-Z-A-L.com, and start living life in clear. Thank them for supporting this week's episode of This Is Only a Test. And now let's talk about CERN.
2: Yeah, that's let's some high technology. technology.
1: Yeah, well, let's start with the history that we saw. I mean, for, like to zoom out, CERN is this amazingly giant facility uh, with thousands upon thousands of scientists, technicians, uh, engineers throughout it. I I was really blown away at the scale um, of the facility, um, first and foremost. We
2: spent two days there and saw a good number of things. How much of of it do you think we saw of of all of CERN?
1: 1%. How what, do you, what would you of guess? the entire facility? I mean, we saw some pretty big things. Yeah, we saw the big ones. Um, we saw the detectors and stuff, and we'll talk about that. Organizationally,
0: I think when a lot of people think of CERN, from the pop culture sense, they think of the LHC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the LHC is a particle accelerator, the big one, the one that was opened almost, was almost 10 years ago now, uh, 2008, mm-hmm. um, which uh, is that, that circular track, 28 kilometers, uh, around France and bits of Switzerland. And, but CERN is not the LHC. CERN started off with a bunch of particle accelerators.
1: Yeah, I mean, CERN is really the overarching organization, the European, like, you know, conglomerate that basically built all of this stuff. And there's an amazing amount of research and data control facilities. I mean, I guess we should talk about the, we went to where the internet began. That's right. As, as like a, a, a first step, like we went and saw that plaque that said, Tim Berners-Lee was in this office.
0: Wi-Fi was not great at that very spot.
1: That was pretty funny. Yeah. We got to see the actual computer, right? It, didn't we? We saw a computer and the keyboard. It was like yep. in a museum oh, yeah, yeah, type the museum. thing. Yeah. The next computer
0: that the Internet, the World Wide Web, as we know it, HTTP, was um, was programmed on and developed on.
2: We learned about the first image. The first, the, uh... the
0: first image that was shared on the World Wide Web was of a musical group, the Cernettes, uh that were... Um, that were physicists and and, um, and friends and family of uh, people working here. A, a band, right? A band, yeah. Um, and, uh, and then we went down to see detectors. So uh, along the particle accelerator, where they run protons at high, at high energy, uh, high density um, protons, and collide them, the places where they collide are at these detection points, experimental points. And how many are four of them There's. on...
1: Yeah, it's a, there, we should say there's multiple tracks that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different sort of uh, you know accelerators. It's just the LHC is the one that is the, the most... It's the big one that's yeah. most known. And they stack. But, yeah, they kind of do have relations to each other. So there's the SPS, which is the super proton synchrotron, I think, yep. that actually um, you know is a smaller track that helps accelerate some of the protons that go into the LHC... They have some linear tracks where they can just smash stuff into a uh, into a wall or a target, um, but the LHC has basically four main detectors on it um, that represent really large experiments. The Atlas, which is what I think everyone associates when they when you hear the word when you hear LHC or CERN, that's what you think of as this giant detector, this sort of hexagonal type, immense four structure. stories
0: tall. It's, it's pretty. It's underground, mm-hmm. 80 meters. Um, and it, it's the one we saw last time.
1: Yeah, and we, we saw again this, this week, which was amazing. There's the LHCB, which is a uh, detector that we didn't visit uh, either time. Uh, the ALICE experiment, or Elise experiment, that's uh, deep within France, that is also like a giant magnet detector, uh, except it's more of a conventional magnet than what we saw with um, ATLAS. Uh, and then the um, CMS. Um, Did you go to the CMS last time? We did not go to CMS. So we didn't go to this one either, uh, this time either. There's this, like, healthy rivalry between all the experiments. Like, every time we went and got lunch, they were like, CMS is better. They're, like, subtly, like, picking us uh, and, like, picking fights with each other, which I think is great. Um, The detectors themselves, like, the enormity of it. And you saw it a couple years ago. Uh, What was your reaction, like, walking back in?
2: It holds up. We we saw a different angle, too. Yeah. This was... Mm -hmm.
0: And so you go down these 80 meters, and you, we were allowed a little more freedom this time to go along the walkways, to chat with some of the physicists, shoot some video. But being able to walk around, physically around the the, uh, the walkways, to see like the depth of it, and to see like the wiring, the electronics, and yeah. all that
2: work. We got to go to the very top and look down mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. like,
0: and, and under the cavern and see the hole where they would, would lower the materials down uh, into the cavern, uh, like. It's an engineering project that, even in in person, you can't comprehend its scale and, and how this thing was built.
1: It, it's it's funny, like the enormity of it makes it really hard to digest. And I kept looking for like smaller things that I could focus on because it was almost just too much to look at. Yeah. And I think Joey and I looked at this. We're like, the cable management in here is ridiculous. <laughs> right. it is unbelievable the cable management in here. Uh, but I think the thing um, that was. Interesting to me is I'm used to that like head-on image of Atlas, um, what it looks like when it's in operation. And right now the machine's down. It's going to uh, turn back on in a, in a few months. But it was open. Yeah. So they were wor- actively working on it. So they had uh, the machine sort of split open down the middle so that workers could get, get in and do some um, you know minor refurbishments
2: inside. That was a good sense of scale, too, seeing guys People. in there just doing things. You're like, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're affecting here.
1: So, like, we could see, like, the, you know, the pipe that the protons were going through uh, as they would smash uh, together in the detector. And, you know, like, we had a, uh, Steve, our physicist guide, was showing us, like, and here's where the muons, like, off that collision, you know, would go through the detector. And that's where, like, we started to, that's where the little bump that gave us, uh, as those muons sort of decayed, gave us some indication of the Higgs boson, which is... Kind of
0: amazing. Now, we didn't get to go into the tunnels. And that's the place where it's very rare that we'll allow anyone down there uh, outside of the engineers working on it. But the 28-kilometer the track, that was off-limits. So no, no Lambda symbols that we could find at all. <laughs> Although there were some markings on walls from, um, like, engineers like playing like Hangman or something.
1: <laughs> I so thought about now. writing a Lambda and Sharpie uh, and just... And just like cell I phone picture. <laughs> yeah. They're very
0: open to us and just like filming and taking pictures. Awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and like they said 200,000 people visit CERN every year and they do offer tours so it's not completely closed off. Uh, but uh,
1: we got to see some cool... Factories and facilities where they make some of the stuff. This is the stuff that actually blew me away. I think the enormity of the detectors is kind of overwhelming, and you see like you know, basically you know, things that have revolutionized science. But at the end of the day, they're not. It's not really tangible. It's like so big. But we went to these, you know, workshops. Like we actually went into one of their main workshops where they just had giant machines just machining. Metal for different components. It was a
0: machine shop with fifteen massive CNCs, like seven-axis, seven-axis CNCs, milling giant aluminum blocks, uh, welding tita- titanium welding chambers.
1: That I think was my favorite thing I saw. They had this special box that they had to, you know, buy. That was a glove box that was sealed off, and they would fill it with argon gas so that they could weld titanium together, which is just crazy in and of itself. Uh, you were like walking around there, shooting all sorts of stuff in there.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, coming from uh, from Atlas, like as you walk around there, not only not only did they, did they need to machine a lot of the stuff for the, uh, the for all, all the equipment, but they also like structurally. Like if you start mm-hmm. looking around, like we talk about cable management, mm-hmm. but you start looking really looking at like how they set, how they got these things elevated and set up, and like, you can tell it's all custom made. So that was my first question. Like you guys had to be able to build this stuff on site, right? And like, yeah, yep. use you know, machine shop. Yep. You can I, see it all
1: there. I kind of thought that we'd lose Simone somewhere in that machine <laughs> shop, that she would just like hide in the corner and just try to, you know, suddenly we'd get a note a couple weeks later that Simone is working at CERN in the machine <laughs> shop and she was going to stay just there. She
2: haunts the machine shop. <laughs>
1: but every quarter we went around, she's like, What is
0: that? <laughs> it, they had a titanium 3D printing machine.
1: Oh, um, wow. Well, that thing was Very incredible.
0: cool. We didn't get to see it operate, but see some of the small pieces that it had
1: printed out. They would use titanium powder and yeah. like, and laser
0: and and sensor mm-hmm. together, um, and then uh, oh, and then we saw the robotics facility. So this is a place we actually didn't get to shoot all the video, but we, it definitely was super cool. They build robots here to run through the tunnels and perform maintenance because there's oftentimes in some places there are there's radiation. Not any of the places we went, um, but along along the cavern because um, some of this facility is, is old. Um, I think that's
2: the most impressive thing was the robots would run maintenance on an area that wasn't designed for robots to run maintenance, right? It was right. all designed for humans to run yes. this.
0: Yes, Parts of the tunnel where there's a, there's actually a monorail that goes through the entire circle. And that monorail was built for people to ride to build the tunnel, or like send equipment down deliver down the equipment down. And now the monorail is does not have a train, but it's used as a track for a robot to go along the the perimeter. And then inspect, visually inspect, uh, and and perform maintenance, and even be a f- uh, fire fighting robot in case there's ever a fire
1: uh, along that track. We we saw some videos of some development projects of of humans like in the Ripley. What was it? What's the power, loaders? Loaders. power loader? Power so loader. Yeah. Like where they would have like you know arms uh, that would virtually connect to the robot remotely, and then they would use these arms to actually manipulate the robot to actually. You know, turn things. Uh, And that was was weird seeing like Mm -hmm. humans operate robots remotely in this kind of haptic way. Um, I thought that was uh, incredibly fascinating. What about the magnets? Yeah, that was my favorite. Magnets,
0: like particle accelerators run on these super magnets.
1: Yeah. Uh, We need magnets to curve the beam, the the particles, so they hit each other. We need magnets to like push them down so they collide.
0: So, how are those, describe how the magnets are are structured along the ring.
1: So we, with a large ring, we basically have two types, uh, two areas that magnets have. Like as you're trying to curve these particles to go around the ring, you have dipole magnets. And when I say dipole magnets, they're big. They're like eight meters long. Uh, and all they're really doing is taking the proton beam and just curving it a little bit uh, each way. Uh, and these magnets have, are incredibly powerful. I think the ones that are currently in the LHC uh, have a magnetic field of five uh, Tesla, or maybe six Tesla, something like that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's eight and a half Tesla. Uh, and they're upgrading it to go to 11 Tesla. These are orders of magnitude greater than the Earth's magnetic field. Um, and then when they get to the detectors, they have quadrupole magnets, so they have four magnets in there, so they can basically take that curved beam and push these two beams together so they collide, uh, just at the precise right location. Mm. Um, like and,
2: at a slight angle will come up, and, you know.
1: Exactly. And th- most of the magnets are magnets that are, um, uh, are cooled by helium. So they're superconductive magnets. So they get cooled down to like 2 Kelvin. Uh, and that's, um, uh, ha- so they have incredibly low resistance. Uh, but there's an incredible amount of current through the facility that's helping power these magnets. Even the, uh, the ones that are at these liquid cooled. And we got to see how they're making the prototypes yeah. of new magnets, which yeah. was really cool. Uh, where they would take material, wind it on a... Actually like, coiling. Actually coiling uh, the superconductive material. Uh, then they'd like have to bake it and... Uh, encase it in resin. Yeah, put it in a mold, encase yeah. it in resin in a vacuum chamber so there's like no air in it. Yeah. Uh, and then they'd have to like shape it and push them together. Uh, it was a kind of an amazing like process just to make a prototype magnet.
0: And everything we're talking about is in like, it's,
1: the scale-wise is bigger than you
0: can imagine. Like we say, bake it in an oven. That's like a, a room-size oven, a it's room-size vacuum foot, chamber. You have you know. a
2: five-foot, two-foot magnet. <laughs> yeah,
1: big, big, giant things that they're manufacturing uh, locally, right here. I, but I think my favorite thing that we saw is we got to go to um, a lab that's working on a new detector. Um, like up, and what was amazing to me is, like, they let us touch a piece <laughs> of the real detector that's going into the machine in a few years. Yeah, yeah. I still don't understand why they let me touch that. <laughs> You're wearing gloves. Yeah, but no, it was crazy. Oh, uh, we got to, like, take part in, like, some of the, you know, how they do some QA on mm-hmm. on the pieces, and it was just one really small piece of, yeah. of one detector, so, but it was this, like, you know, big tables, like, 10-foot tables covered with this, you know, really thin detecting material, and it'd have to go through all of these stages of, of QA and processing for this one sheet, and there's like 2,000, 3,000 of those that have to go in to build this one layer of one detector. Uh, and there's like going to be fi- you know, 15 or so detectors in the upgraded LHC. So the enormity of the project was really coming through. And I'm pretty sure I broke it. No, i <laughs> uh, They also took us down to the data computing center
0: where we saw just data storage um, in, in rows and rows and rows of server racks. And Very warm room. And thousands of cassettes, magnetic tape, we got, passive we, storage. They gave us some. We took we took some old magnetic tape. They, they, they have to keep on upgrading. They have to keep on backing it up and keep on sending it out to other data centers around the world because it's a ton of information, terabytes, petabytes a day. Uh, and uh, we got to take some old data tapes. <laughs> that was nice. They do yes. sell them in
2: the uh, they sell them in the store too. I they sell, do, yeah. Some like, system data tapes, and they get, like oh. a certain sticker they they look oh, nice. Oh yeah. There was
1: like a kilometer of tape is what the guy told me inside each one of those cassettes.
0: A kilometer, and they had thousands of those. Wow.
1: Yeah. I kind of want now. I want to find like a tape machine that I can like stick it in. <laughs> See what's take on? a take a look at some of the data.
0: <laughs> it's, it's more data than exists on the internet per year that they they're they're collecting. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's ridic- It's a ridiculous amount of data that they're they're generating you and your hard hats. They hat. also had hard hats. <laughs>
0: we bought hard hats. It says CERN on them. <laughs> yeah, we wore some similar hard hats. They're real
1: hard hats. They can actually use Yeah,
2: they are, they are certified hard hats.
1: What, what do you walk away with after going to a facility like this? Because it feels uh, alien to me to go inside one of these facilities.
0: Um, I mean, the people, the people are all super nice and they're all really excited about their work. And while we didn't get to check with a lot of the, the maintenance field, the, the, at least the, the physicists are all like, this is not work that's done and it's all ongoing and it's all like, just because there was a Higgs uh, detection, like discovery um, five years ago, like they're already thinking well into the 2020s and
2: beyond. And you felt that sense of like ambition and discovery, like, like we are yeah. trying to discover, like, uncover these Understand the
0: secrets of the universe, (laughs) and all the physicists, that's why they do what they do. They're trying to better understand the universe, and and they all feel how important that is, even though that's not a very tangible thing. It's not flying to the moon. It's not going to Mars, sending a robot to Mars, and that's itself a a different type of enormous challenge. But a lot of the stuff here is coming up with things theoretically, and then having when you finally finally understand that uh, or, or see proof of that, that is an enormous
1: thing, that like that he, the humans can do that? That's crazy. I, yeah. I still walk away with, I, I think the lasting image to me is that um, they, there's so many flags flying in front of CERN, and you see that represented in all the people there. Like, there's so many nations and so many engineers, technicians, scientists from all over the world coming together for this, for this, you know, kind of amazing project to try to understand what the universe looked like, you know, one microsecond in. Um... And uh, building that kind of time machine together, there's something really hopeful for me, um, seeing everyone come together. Maybe science can be an instrument of amazing peace and collaboration uh, that um, leaves me very hopeful for the future. And, and I don't think I could work the, at a place like that, that that is that enormous. Yeah. Like, I barely survived that cafeteria. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They have a massive cafeteria that all the scientists, like everyone, physicists are all mingling with each other, and then tour groups and schools, and we're just. That was kind of yeah. there was
1: a there was a viciousness in that cafeteria about oh, yeah. like getting food and getting in line too. Also, like
0: the American food was not very good there. That giant it
1: hot dogs. the
2: giant hot dog, like a nor gi- hot dog was
0: a, at least a, a. It was like. It, it was about a two, half long I think it was like two
2: long hot dogs put into like a baguette, like a half baguette. And just
0: like sauces everywhere, yeah. and they were called, very excited. This is my American hot dog day. Le big hot dog, it, oh. it was still labeled. Yeah.
2: It,
1: it did not look good. Yeah, Swiss beef. Like, not the best. Uh, uh, yeah, all, all the American food looked bad, but I, I, it tells I, you something about yeah. their perception of us,
2: I think. <laughs> <laughs> we should not be eating, we should not be seeking out American food no, no, in, in France. no.
1: We, no. Mm. So we're we're short on time. I think we should skip down to what we've been testing. Exactly. Uh. Testing this week. Oh, VR Minute and Moment of Science will be back next week. Well, they'll be, we'll be back next week.
0: Uh, we actually have to run to the airport in about 15 minutes or so. So let's quickly talk about some gear we've been testing. Uh, Joey, you didn't bring on this trip, but you've had the uh, the Blackmagic Design Ursa Mini Cinema Camera 4.K. 4.6K. 4, 4. 4.6K 4. Yeah. camera. It's higher than 4K resolution. Uh, and you had that for a couple of weeks. You, you tested it. What did you think about that camera?
2: Uh, well, You can probably see, there's a video on the site right now, uh, going in a little bit of detail, but I actually, I I shot a whole review. I I spent some time with this camera. I was really interested in it for the last year, so I got it for about a month. Uh, Finished shooting the review, and then they immediately released a new version of this camera addressing (laughs) every single issue that I had. I mean, it wasn't a whole lot of issues, because I I was really into the, like, I really wanted to dive into the image quality of this camera, but I also was excited about the uh, Blackmagic coming out with a, a versatile camera that can be uh, a tested camera, or you know, a, a cinema, f- a film camera, or something you take on short films. And this um, this new version is is seeking that is is looking to fill that uh, uh, you know that 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 need for that camera that I wanted. Um, the old version did not, and I decided to scrap the review and shoot more about the um, the Blackmagic color space and image quality and how to deal with. Digital film, what Blackmagic calls the digital film space, and that and is the flat profile.
0: And that's they were one of the first big companies to make cameras that, that really forced you to use that space. The Blackmagic Cinema Camera. Yeah. You had to really use grading. They make the software too, DaVinci Resolve.
2: Yeah. So they they well, so DaVinci was a, a color correction and color grading program that they eventually acquired, uh, and then came out with these these lines of cameras that at the time could only do a very flat or log profile that you would you would have to take into a color grading program. So that's what first interested me in that was. Learning some some higher grade like color correction and being forced to deal with that color science, uh, but also just to learn how. I mean, like, co- like flat and log profile shooting is is it's kind of a, a niche thing for prosumers, but it's very popular in the professional market. Um, and and Blackmagic is kind of looking to shorten that gap, and I, I you know I find that really interesting, and I want to get my hands on this camera. So you can see a little more on the on the side of the video, but how to deal with that color space. Um, but I'll probably do a a more in-depth camera review on the newer camera, uh, just because I didn't get to play with the, the newest version of it. Mm. And that was the Blackmagic um, Ursa
0: Mini Pro. Is Ursa camera. Mini Pro, yeah, is the one. That, and it's like a five thousand dollar camera, but they did this whole pricing thing where you can you can upgrade if you bought the, the one from last. Yeah, year the right. new yeah, version right.
2: is the exact same price as the old version was. Uh, oh. Came out the exact day of the press release. And if you have the Ursa or like some other other, other cameras, you can trade them in and work some deal with them. Did
1: either of you bring some new gear on this trip? I
2: did. So I brought the FeiyuTech uh, MG gimbal,
0: uh, which is the gimbal for DSLR, and uh, we use a little bit of it on the CERN trip, but you know, it had some balancing issues. Yeah, we couldn't
1: quite. You couldn't quite get your Mark
0: IV to. It was like so. I have the hold. heavier, the heaviest camera you can put on it with probably the heaviest lens, and it's a three-axis gimbal. So what you think of when you see like a drone on the bottom of a drone uh, with a three-axis gimbal to stabilize? It's kind of. A, a lot of these are replacing Steadicams these days on the, the prosumer market, um, and they're active stabilization, but the camera itself has to be balanced on all three axes so the motors aren't taxed, uh, and balancing on this gimbal is a tr- very tricky process.
2: And how was the... so this is a two-handed model, right? We, we reviewed the one-handed... We reviewed the one-handed model f-
0: that works with GoPros, and they yeah. still sell that, and actually have a one-handed model that works with iPhones, which worked great. Totally fine with funds um, A two-handed model. It, you can actually you could use the MG with one hand if you're using a small camera, like a pocket cinema camera or or a Micro Four Thirds camera. But because I had a big camera, the you can rearrange it, like kit it out, so you have two hands. And the ergonomics were fine like when you're holding it. are holding camera. it, and they had a little jog dial or knob that you can um, a D stick or a, a thumbstick that you can move around and pan the camera or tilt it up and down. You can't do very Fine control you can't like pan the camera physically and then also til- uh, tilt it up and down at the same time very well um, but if you're just walking down the street and you want to keep focus on someone and look steady like that's it's a totally cost-effective way to do it
2: it's like a smaller version of like a ronin essentially right I mean, yeah that's, so dji that's
0: makes one that's a ronin that's way more easy to calibrate and has active active balancing, a longer battery life.
2: I have only used it very briefly, but it seems like a camera that would just kill your body if you use it for too long. Yeah. <laughs> and this yeah. newer like that, that size that you had looked, looked really nice. And when
0: you think of the rodent ones, they come with stands that you can like put the, the gimbal yeah. on with your camera so you're not supposed to be holding it the whole time. And they're really made for production shoots where uh, you have like a base of operations that mm-hmm. you're charging the batteries and for this camera we try to just take it on the go. And yeah, it could work if you just wanted to keep it on the go and keep it in the car and walk out. Uh, but it is kind of cumbersome. Like,
1: I yeah, I found like that uh, just handling it and packing it yeah was challenging. And they're all
2: like that. They're all as awkward as yeah. You know. They're all
1: just awkward to carry around. Yeah, um, uh, we're running out of time. We have to get to our next destinations. That's right. Uh, What's coming up on Tested? Uh,
0: so this week, uh, we'll be back at the end of this week. Adam is still on his tour, so uh, he and Will, I believe, are podcasting, uh, still in title this week. He may already be out by then. Um, but Adam was in South by Southwest uh, doing a talk. Uh, and also we ran a maker puzzle, a puzzle scavenger hunt, uh, with our friend Jen Schachter, and that ran over the weekend. A uh, huge success all nine puzzle pieces were found they assembled
1: them thanks to everyone that went out and hunted them down
0: and worked out together there yeah. who helped solve the puzzles in our comment section you guys are awesome uh, that was a long uh, several months of work to make that happen the designs are incredible and we will be releasing those designs and we'll have more information about that in the next uh, next week or two
1: we should go back into CERN and cut some of those they oh, have we some have... <laughs> nice machinery
0: to do it we got laser cutters at our office we can do that um, what's what's next? What's next, Joey? What's next for you?
2: Um, a little I don't know. A little bit of travel, a little bit of shooting. There'll be more. Um, you know, I'll be doing more gear vi- uh, videos. Some 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 lighting and media management. Look for that. It'll be fun.
1: Joey's also shooting all the videos with Frank down that you see going up on. The- oh
2: yeah, yeah. I live close to Frank, so uh, you know, normal come down, we'll shoot a, a series of videos. So expanding the. The family.
1: What about you? What's coming up?
0: Uh, so, at the end of this month, or we're getting into April now, we have a bunch of conventions coming up. There's Monster Palooza, there's WonderCon, uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con. We're going to try to be at all of these. Um, and a bunch of what we shot here for CERN, you guys will see in the future, but also uh, we are also filming with Kishore for a science show for our tested premium community. So, we haven't really actively talked about this yet, but we've been developing and working on a, a long form science show, and that was one of the reasons we came the CERN trip.
1: And like all good science, it just takes a long
0: time. It, it takes a while to get it right. Yeah, so yes guys the will be peer seeing on the site and hopefully in less than a month or so, um, and it's going to live alongside uh, Simone's show, Frank's show, and uh, Sean and Jeremy's show, which we, I think the new episode's coming out uh, end of this week, so check that out.
1: Awesome. Let's get home. Yeah, it's yes. cold. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going
0: to get some coffee, get a croissant. And, uh, and find find a cab to the train station. Uh, thanks for listening this week. Do we have an outro, sure? We do. We have I an, an outro.
1: but goody. All right. Uh, we'll see you next time. Hi there. I didn't see you.
0: Is that really the outro? <laughs> oh, is this thing on? I, I guess
2: it is. <laughs> <laughs> Test it.
0: Bye.